Hi friends, welcome back to Down to Brown. It's nice to be back with you. Before I start, a quick disclaimer, you might be hearing some background noise. I am currently recording in New York City and this is not due to some glamorous opportunity, I wish, but it's because I'm literally just visiting and um, there's a lot of background noise sometimes. So I uh, hope that's not too bothersome. I also wanted to give an enormous loving shout out to friends and those I don't know who are fighting the good fight to raise awareness about Palestine and continuously making sure that this is on our radar, even if we've heard developments of ceasefires. So thank you for doing this work. We're here with you and hopefully we're all able to balance and incorporate some of this thought, if not if we can't do much, um, at least trying to learn more and understand so that we're more educated on the matter when we're talking about it. So you might know from the Instagram account, um, if you don't follow already, make sure to follow down to brown under dash, that this week's topic is about colorism. Colorism. How many of us have had to meet this concept through our own experiences? I honestly truly wish that you don't have to. It's not a fun thing, but most of us do have to go through it, especially if you're a person of color or you are in love with, friends with, family with, etc., with someone of color. Colorism is differential treatment based on skin color, especially a leaning and favoritism towards those with a lighter skin tone and mistreatment or exclusion with those of a darker skin tone. Typically, it can happen among those of the same racial group or ethnicity. So the fact that in the definition that there's already a call out that this isn't even necessarily across groups, but within a group tells a lot about this. I was first made aware of colorism back when I was kind of 10 or 11. And it's not because I wasn't aware of it before, but also the thing about colorism is that sometimes when you first start to consciously experience, it's not because you're taught, hey, this is colorism. This is the definition. This is what you're going through. It's like a feeling you get where you know something's off or different about the way you're being looked at or considered. And so I'm sure there were instances before, but this is one I consciously remember. I was visiting my grandparents in India and we you know, had the habit of taking afternoon naps after lunch and then everyone kind of wakes up, gets sort of wa washed up and then ready for the evening. And my grandma saw me get up from a nap um, and she was like, oh, you should go freshen up. So I was like, yeah, that's true. So I went, washed my face, brushed my teeth, come back. She's like, no, 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 you need to freshen up. Did you freshen up? And I was like, yeah, I did. And she's like, no, you gotta put some powder on. And so this powder is also not like tinted. Um, these are the luxuries of now. Um, these, uh, there's a common powder that people use in India called ponds and it's a talc powder. So it's basically white as cocaine. Um, and you put it on and it tends to, if you're darker, look a little gray on you. At least that, that's how it did for me. And so I told her that and she's like, no, 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 you're gonna look light and bright. And so I went in and I put it on. I didn't like it, but I, apparently this is what presented me as acceptable. And so fast forward, you start to understand different instances like this where you're like, ah, I just feel something's off here. Like I can't really help that I look like this. No one was telling my 
inferior sister to put pawns on, but that's something you just start to notice. And gradually you start to see, this is also something you can't control. How do you control your darkness? So you start to see this difference. And I am sure I am not alone. I am sharing my humble story of like how I first kind of experienced this. Although I'm sure many of you have your own stories. And I always like to put on that hat of skeptical uncle auntie, which you've probably heard in some of my episodes. In fact, I should probably just give some name to this character that I hypothetically referenced to. But the hypothetical is rooted in a lot of real life experiences where you have uncles and aunties and it's sort of this embodiment, not specific people, but this general resistance or questioning you get from your culture where it's like, but why not this to normal things? And so with colorism, Something I ask is, is this just about beauty, right? And it's not. If, if it isn't enough reason for you to believe that people should feel beautiful and empowered to feel beautiful in their own skin, the other major implication of colorism is that simply put, it is rooted in racism. It upholds values of white supremacy because beauty is considered to be lighter skinned as close to the Anglo-Caucasian looks. And then further diving in, because I'm sure there would be a follow-up question from this hypothetical mass about, well, the tough luck. That's how it is. Um, You can decide if you're beautiful or not. Actually, there are a lot of external consequences too. It's not just about your internal journey with colorism. It is also about the fact that people who are darker skinned, there have been extensive studies done all over the world. We reference quite a few in our show notes, um, as well as some of our posts this week on Instagram. But there are lots of implications for wage gaps, how people are rewarded in the workplace how uh, desirability is affected. Um, Look at any fair and lovely ad in India and you know the message is clear. If this person is dark, they can't get a job, they can't be active in protests. I'm serious, that was a storyline. They don't get marriage prospects. People don't wanna date them. Their friends think they're not interesting or they make fun of them. We also tend to overlook the fact that this is also very connected to class income, caste, gender, and let's not forget that, of course, while I'm an Indian American speaking about this and our, you know, other South Asian Americans can probably relate in their own ways in terms of how they've experienced this, this is not something that, again, we exclusively have the VIP rights to experience. I use that highly sarcastically our black sister community, Hispanic community, the Asian community, all of them experience this. Pretty much if you're not white, you might have some touch of experience with this, if not extensive. One of my very close, dear, favorite friends is black and she is lighter skinned. And I asked her one day if that affects her ability to connect with either American society, white society, and black society. And she did mention, of course, she she recognized her privilege of how she might be sort of approached or uh, responded to differently in American society and white society. And in the black community being seen as sort of a um, attractive, lighter skinned black woman, but also getting this sentiment of you're not black enough. 
So think about how complex that is. You're already multiple identities, which is what we talk about in Down to Brown. And you want to belong somewhere, but it creates that tension between, do I belong in any society? Because every society, including the one that I come from, from my parents, is creating this environment where I don't know if I feel welcome or completely accepted. So colorism creates all of this confusion, but also in addition to the fact that it creates and perpetuates consequences associated with racism. So that's my spiel. Usually I don't do intros this long, but I really wanted to ground the context on this because it's not just a South Asian topic. It's not just a conversation about beauty and looks and self-esteem which hopefully people do care about, but there's something much larger that happens. These are the things, the small things that happen and people internalize and eventually long-term, when they have to interact with a person of color or they have, they're in a moment of tension or conflict, things come out because they've internalized certain concepts about it associated with race and color. So this is why I think I have so much passion around this topic. And we're talking today to an amazing woman named Anita Kalathara. She is an actress. Some of her films that she's appeared in include ones that we might know, such as Bombshell, Doom Control, the final season of The Mindy Project, Dance Camp, or Room 104 on HBO. Her parents are from Kerala which is in South India. And she is a gorgeous brown beauty. And not to mention just such a pleasure, whip smart person to work with. So here our skeptical uncle auntie might pipe up again and say, um, excuse me, this person's in the acting industry, Hollywood. So isn't that validation enough? Why should we worry and feel bad for this person or listen to them about colorism and how hard it is? And first of all, you know the response is probably like an eye roll and like moving on. But honestly, Anita is in an industry as a brown woman where people are constantly scrutinized based on gender, color, race, sexuality, you name it. So if anything, she is going through society itself and then a hypercritical industry that puts and challenges this for her every day. And that's why I thought it was incredibly important to talk to her, not to mention also her sincere passion around this subject. In fact, she directed and wrote her own short film, and it's one of the most powerful short films I saw and so relatable about colorism. And it's called Unfair and Lovely, which we'll talk about more in our conversation coming up. Um, I'll also make sure to link it so that you have access to it because I really encourage, this is something that we've all, the, the moments in the film, we've all, tried one of them if it's something that we've dealt with. So without further ado, let's bring on Anita Kalathara. Hi, Anita. Welcome to Down to Brown. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. This is so exciting. I found you on Instagram and I remember being like, holy shit, I found the one to talk about <laughs> this because first of all, you are so badass. Um, oh, you declared yourself in your bio that you were someone who was passionate about this topic. And I really wanted to make sure I talked to the right person and took the care with this topic. So I really appreciate you being open to it. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I'm all about talking about this topic. So 
I'm glad to speak on it more. (laughs) I really appreciate it. So, you know, let's talk about you a little bit first. Like what you're an actress, which is such Mm -hmm. a cool, fascinating, like I can't even imagine profession. So tell (laughs) us a little bit about your lifestyle as an actress. Uh, Definitely cool, but also comes with a lot of stress. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of ups and downs in acting, but um, yeah, I I mean, it's a great, I love my job. Uh, It's really cool to be able to storytell and um, another passion I found along the way from acting is filmmaking and writing and producing. So I I kind of branched out into doing that as well. I mean, I do all of the things, but I think storytelling too has been like a really just storytelling in any form, (laughs) writing, Mm -hmm. acting, all the things has been really fulfilling for me. So yeah, acting, it's been going pretty well. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think storytelling is such a I know it can sound broad, but it's such a fulfilling topic to your point, Um, just Mm -hmm. especially as we have so many stories as children of immigrants and Mm -hmm. South Asian Americans. It's such a beautiful way. Like, I'm so glad there are people like you expressing it in um, media. Yeah, I mean, you are, too. This is a form of storytelling. It's just, you know, different style. So it's it's really cool. Yeah, I I feel like if we find our tool, it's it's such a great way to kind of get our message out there. Uh, And, you know, so we're talking today about colorism in addition to, you know, many intersecting things. And I always try to like adopt the like skeptical uncle at that party that's like going to ask you that question where it's like, oh, that tough one, right? So (laughs) The one you avoid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I feel like one of these uncles could argue like, hey, you're in like the Hollywood acting industry and really you can only make it if you're pretty it's kind of like you're validated by being able to act in it. So if you're already accepted by Hollywood and these standards, why do you care so much about colorism? Hmm, interesting. Um, never heard it put that way because it's, it's, I guess it's really subjective to be accepted into Hollywood. You know, I mean, you get roles, mm. you get certain roles, but like, like I've, I've worked before. So I guess that could be telling that I might be accepted, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have been because I guess everyone's standards are different. But I think uh, for me, like especially earlier on in my acting career, there were such limited roles for people, for ethnic people in general and specifically yeah. uh, South Asians. And there weren't a lot of roles. So there were a few of us kind of fighting over the few small roles and it, it didn't feel like we were widely accepted because there just weren't a lot of opportunities. But I would say in the last couple of years, there are a lot more opportunities. So it seems like there is more of a need and want for seeing South Asians in entertainment. And specifically for me, like earlier on in my career, I felt like there was a lot of colorism. And I still feel that like it's, it's yeah. not gone away at all, but no. I definitely think there's a whole lot of colorism in the industry in Hollywood and in Bollywood. Uh, totally. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, like not even a question, but I do think it's, it happens in Hollywood more than we think. I mean, I, I saw countless roles go to, um, if they were written as South Asian, be changed or go to women who were much fairer than myself and, you know, like you think it's going to be, it's always talent, but it's not always just talent. I mean, sometimes when you see it happen so often, it's, it could seem like it's not a coincidence that it's going to fairer skinned women multiple yeah. times. I saw it happen so often that I really 
do believe they're like whether people are aware of it or not, I think there's almost subliminal um typecasting and like people might not be aware they're just familiar with Anglo-Saxonized looks and features and so they're picking mixed race or lighter skinned or people with those features because that's what they know. Yeah. And I wonder if it's also because the decisions are being made by people who are maybe white and um, you tend to gravitate towards someone that you see yourself in. So I feel like I wonder, you know, to your point, it might not even be conscious where they're like, yes, I'm avoiding the person who's darker. They might just be like, hey, this person kind of looks more like someone I'd see. Right. Like, right. And so I that's think that's why I, the yeah. decision maker has to be representative. Yeah. And that's why I think it's like conscious and unconscious. I do think sometimes it's a conscious decision to make that person lighter, but to pick the fair skinned or lighter person. But I do think sometimes it's, it's subliminal, like people don't even realize they've been brainwashed into liking these features and looks. Mm -hmm. So they have because it's all they see in the media. So then they pick the mixed race Indian girl or the lighter skinned Indian girl with Anglo-Saxon features. I've seen it happen to black women countless times where that like a woman will be told like she's pretty because she has like a, a very different nose or a very different feature. And mm. I like, I do think that's really common. Yeah. And people don't realize even that they're doing it. Right. Absolutely. Going back to something that you mentioned earlier, you said, it is apparent in Hollywood and even more so Bollywood, which I always struggled with that in some sense, even though we know that this issue exists in Hollywood, I still felt more accepted beauty wise on Hollywood screen, like even by just seeing maybe black people in movies or um, Hispanics, like if there were an Indians, I'd be like, OK, they kind of look more like me just from a skin color perspective. In Bollywood, we know that like barely ever exists. And if, oh, yeah. if it's a darker woman, it's yeah, like someone who it's kind of like an indie movie or like the unconventional beauty. But then I always thought it was weird that like the men could be dark, but the women could not. Yeah, I actually I I did. I've noticed that and I don't understand why. But I mean, there. I mean, I do, I guess there's just there. It's really like a sexism and color. There's so much deep stuff in India. Yeah. I mean, with that, it's it's crazy, though, It's that it's still a thing. It, there really are very few darker skinned women in Bollywood still. And I've noticed a little bit more, but it's still like, I think that's why I kind of thought I, people had always asked me when I started like, oh, why don't you do Bollywood? Like, why are you doing Hollywood? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't speak in me, so I, I don't, I would, I don't, I'd have to look, but they were like, oh, but people lip sync all the time. And I'm like, okay, but, but really like, do you see anybody like me there? Like it's yeah. no. Right. And, and that's, there's even like, like there's even, um, uh, what am I trying to say? There's even uh conflict between like the South Indian movie industries and North Indian, like people mm -hmm. say, you know, those are not as respected. And I wonder if it has anything to do with skin color. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of the South Indian stars tend to be darker or, you know, some of them are at least. Um, but it really isn't all of them. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them yeah. are fair too. <laughs> but again, like, I mean, I'm, I'm Telugu, so I'm South Indian. And I feel like I've only seen actors be dark in South Indian movies too, right? Like the actresses mm -hmm. are always fairer 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's probably why I kind of tuned out of watching a lot of them because it just didn't feel like it was representing a whole world. Completely agree. And I, it's kind of sad sometimes, right? Like Bollywood played such a part of my life, at least growing up. Yeah, growing up, it really was. Yeah. And the older I got, I'm like, I just can't stand it. Because in addition to the like beauty standards, like some of the messages it was sending, like pretty much most of Shah Rukh Khan's roles, I'm like, damn, he's toxic. You know, <laughs> like, um, no. so I think some of the messages I found that they were sending about relationships too, like, stalk the shit out of a woman until she loves you. And that's romantic. Like, I, I just can't take it seriously anymore. Yeah, but you know what's interesting is um his, uh, a cousin of mine sent me, because she knows, you know, I'm pretty passionate about colors, and sent me an article about Shah Khan's daughter, mm-hmm. who has, like, publicly come out and talked about how she has been ridiculed for her skin color since she was 12. And, and she's not, you know, she's, it's all relative in India though. Like if you can be compared as darker, depending on who you're around. And that's what sucks is like, she said, she made some comment about um, how like she's been ridiculed since she was, you know, 12 and that it all stems from, and it it's the worst that like your own people are the yeah. ones that are being racist and colorist and that's crazy and it's like and I I agree with that I mean it's it's just crazy to think that our own people are the ones that are causing this weird division based off of skin color and it's also like she made a comment of it being you know stemmed from insecurity and I don't know I, I read that and I was like wow you know good thing she's coming out and talking about it Absolutely. Especially using her platform in that way when you see like, oh, Shah Rukh Khan's daughter, because you're right. Like it and then it really fucks with your sense of acceptance for like, where are you Mm -hmm. accepted if your own people you don't feel beautiful with? I mean, I certainly feel that way, um, honestly, and I feel more beautiful by American standards, even though we're still colorist here, too. Um, Yeah. And that is not easy to resolve with yourself. (laughs) That is, I mean, obviously, yeah, we are colorists and uh, racism is still a thing and it's just colorism is just, you know, a little piece of that. And, um, but it is, yeah, it is crazy that we, um, get so much more pressure and comments to, like outwardly directed to us from our own people. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It's just, it's frustrating. Have you had an example like that you can think of? or an instance where you have experienced a form of colorism with like, you know, even here in America with um, some of your casting or in general? Um, Well, yeah. I like, I think like I mentioned before, when I first started acting, I would see a lot of roles specifically go to like the mixed race or lighter skinned person. Um, So that did happen quite a bit, but I don't know, you know, if it was directed it's hard to tell, but it mm-hmm. is, but it is, but the amount of roles that I saw go to people like that made me believe that there was some colorism in the industry because it wasn't just me, you know, it's a lot of other people, but when you see all those roles end up into a specific type, I mean, you, you kind of are left to think, well, what's the correlation? Coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but specifically colorism, you know, outside of, outside of the acting acting industry, excuse me. Um, uh, yeah, so specifically colorism outside of the acting industry, I I also felt it, you know, within my family. If I don't know if you were talking about that 
yeah. specific thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. Um, yeah. Growing up, it, it really the harshest proponents were a lot of my, my family and mm. uh, extended family and aunts and uncles and even my parents. And it's, it's kind of, a, you know, I don't really, I feel like I've said this before, but um, uh, that I don't blame them because it's all they knew. I mean, they grew up feeling that this was the way you were supposed to look. And now right. when I look back at, you know, I actually recently came across a photo of me doing Bharatanatyam because when I was a kid, I, I studied it for years. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at the photos and I remember hating doing it, not because I hated the dance because I actually really liked the dancing part. But I remember hating performing and competing because my mom would cake my face with white makeup like white powder and white makeup. And she said it was part of the costume. And I don't, now that I think about it, really don't know if, was that really traditionally part of the costume or what did that, or is that part of the performance? Does that stem from colorism too? I mean, I don't know that answer to that question, but I know that everybody and like all the dancers would have to put like white powder and makeup on. And I always wondered like, was that necessary or where did that come from? But where right. did that part of Bharatanatyam come from? I don't know if they still do it anymore, but I know when I was a kid that it used to happen. I mean, I was always caked in white powdered makeup and and yeah. I hated it. I hated that part of it. And that's why I didn't really like competing or dancing in public. Um, I just didn't like that part. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, dance is supposed to also feel like, you know, an expression of yourself, like speaking of storytelling and you really want to feel like your most authentic self. And it's it's amazing how even as children, we can pick up on those, that energy, right? Of like, when I'm putting myself publicly in front of people, how are people looking at me, right? And I, I did like a couple years of Bharatanatyam, not to the degree that you did where I like, perf- I, I kind of like at some point I was like, we were too far away the classes, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I was really into Bollywood and I felt similarly where it, it wasn't necessarily the makeup. But when I went on stage, I just knew that I wasn't going to look like be appreciated the same way, maybe that a fairer, prettier counterpart, because I thought they were prettier, right? Because they're fairer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm just kind of like one of the backgrounds, but like the attention's not even going to be on me. So like it was weirdly yeah. liberating for me, but also very sad when you think about the message you're telling yourself of like, I'll probably be in the back and like the pretty girls will be in the front, you know, the definition of like mm-hmm. what is, you know, for this generation, like, and uh, so it's, it, you know, it so early on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's like these things, I mean, I'm not sure if you went through this too, but basically like with my parents telling me to, you know, stay out of the sun or when I would come home with a really yes. big tick, I would have a really, uh, I would get super tan very easily as a kid running around in the sun. And, and I was like re- pretty, pretty dark. Um, and when I would come back from playing, you know, my parents would be like, you, why you need to wear sunblock or you can't be running around like that. And they would have me use like fair and lovely and turmeric creams to lighten my skin and um, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, well, I mean, they would always say things like, you were so white as a baby. What happened? And I'm like, yeah. uh, and it just you don't <laughs> think know. those things would like stick, but they did. I mean, I didn't at the time. I would get frustrated and it did make me feel bad as a kid. 
but it stuck for so long that I was doing that when I was older and avoiding those things without realizing for so much of my adult life. And that's what's sad is that it took so long and it, you know, I definitely beat myself up over it in school and with friends, like I would feel like the ugly one Mm -hmm. because of my skin color. And I was actually talking to one of my, my girlfriends recently who's, who's black. And we were talking about how we, when we would go out sometimes, with our other friends, if we were like the only darker standard, more diverse person in the group, we would feel like it was very consistently like we were the only ones that were not hit on. And we were just talking about that the other day and like, oh, you went through that too? Like, we both didn't realize that we had each other had gone through that thing of when we went out, we were like the only ones that didn't get hit on. (laughs) that is so interesting I actually strongly feel your sentiment and experience with that Mm -hmm. I similarly growing up like we lived in a suburb um, that was very white when we moved to Pleasanton um, Bay Area so we um, I had a group of friends and I adored them and this isn't even on them but like they were primarily white and when we started to like go from middle school to high school they hung out with a lot of boys and it was just harder and harder to get my parents to be like, be okay with it. Um, but even when we did, I remember feeling so much like I didn't, I wasn't accepted by like, you know, no one was flirting with me or no. And it's not because you're like, I need to be right. But you're like, you notice that you're kind of considered like a sidekick. Um, and I didn't like that feeling. And I ended up asking Mm -hmm. like, these friends that I was becoming um, closer to like freshman year, I remember like in front of the library, I was like, can I hang out with you guys? And I couldn't tell you then explicitly, like I realized, you know, that I didn't feel that sense of belonging. And it wasn't because again, my friends, I just knew that like group that we were kind of going towards and everything. I just wouldn't feel that same inclusion and subconsciously. And so I asked these friends who were Indian and, But even then, like I became best friends with this one girl and she's to this day, like, right. She's like one of my maids of honor um, for my wedding. Mm -hmm. And she is very like she's fairer. She's um, gorgeous. And I've told her before, too, like sometimes I feel like I'm your friend with the personality and like you are the pretty one. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you tell yourself that the sad thing is you start to dismiss it yourself. You dismiss yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you you dismiss yourself and you believe it. And it, that's so detrimental to our own, you know, value of ourselves. And I, I know that I did the same thing. I had a group of uh, white friends going, growing up and of course they didn't mean it that way, but it was the same, it was the same thing. It was like that feeling of you're the, the funny supporting best friend. It's like, it's what, <laughs> what we play or what I actually play a lot in every movie. That I do actually. In Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> right. They'll be like, okay, here's the token black person who's the sidekick. I play the quirky best friend a lot. Still, and I, I mean, I'm still loving that role and owning it, but I mean, that is my, that is what I play a lot. And yeah. um, I don't know if it's a coincidence, <laughs> but right. um, yeah, like it is, it, and in life too, I felt that way. And I, I don't know if I wrote, myself off that way because of it but it also was it's not out of nowhere I mean it is from real life experience like you experience that feeling in situations and that's why you made yourself believe that you were the lesser person yeah or that feeling that you had so I mean yeah it happened it happened to me in both like my white friend groups and non-white friend groups that I felt that way but it is 
it's a, it's all stems from all this, this stuff that we, that was ingrained into our brains from when we were kids. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I never felt more unattractive than when I went to the Midwest for grad school in like a small town in Illinois. And like, it was just clear, mm-hmm. like I, I really felt invisible. And I remember telling my close friend now who um, had grown up there in Illinois in the suburbs. And she was like, you know, it was kind of amazing to me because we were talking about it recently. She's like, you know, you told me this and I remember feeling like this is new to you. Like I, this has been my whole life. Like, so, and I had come from, you know, at least like at some point I felt sort of like, you know, my college experience, people looked at people diversely. Like I went to UC Davis and, and so I didn't feel as like, outcast there and yeah um so when I came to Illinois it was such a stark comparison but she was like I'm used to this so the fact that you're saying that you're coming in and noticing this invisibility it really like made me realize like oh shit I've always let this happen to me Hmm. yeah 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 I mean at least at a certain point I'm assuming you've shifted and that is the nice part of being able to realize and it is great that we're talking so much about it because I think this is going to help stop future generations from making these mistakes and hopefully change the whole change colorism at large. <laughs> like hopefully yeah. we get rid of it by doing this kind of stuff because yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever felt as good as I have about my skin color as I, as I do now, you know, right. and I, I want Definitely. everyone to feel that way about themselves and it's just a long path for some people and like I don't know I I hope that a lot of people can at least like get out of that feeling absolutely so of course we talked about colorism as it affects our sense of self and identity Mm -hmm. but also there's a reason why colorism matters on a larger scale so before that skeptical uncle again is like (laughs) you know it's about just how you feel about your looks you know it's it's actually there are implications. So when I was kind of doing some research around this, as you can imagine, like um, I was looking at um, a couple of articles and one of them had a really interesting old children's rhyme. And it goes, if you're black, stay back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. If you're white, you're all right. And I thought that was so poignant because there's so much of a clear right bias with that. Mm-hmm. And this article goes on to say that there's research that has linked colorism to smaller incomes, lower marriage rates, longer prison terms, oh, yeah. fewer job perspe- prospects for darker skinned people. And it's obviously, you know, you and I are talking about it's existed out of black America too. And there was an article about this black American woman who was like, I'm a darker skinned black woman. And that also reduces my chances in the dating market. Mm -hmm. So colorism clearly has implications beyond just, and I'm not even saying just to minimize it, but it's beyond our perception of ourselves. Yeah. So you, to you, like, why does colorism matter? Like when you think about, especially like the implications you see for your industry? Yeah. um, Well, like outside of America too, in India, it's, I know there's research that it, it affects um, within, you know, color there, like the job, mar- like mm-hmm. people, I'm trying to word myself, I'm just messing up my words. But basically, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that there is also a division in like, wealth and poverty there based off skin color as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in India, and I so I think it's, 
really significant over there, but it's also here. And yeah, it's, I mean, very obviously happens with all different races here. But I'm um, sorry, circling back to your question, what was the... What are the implications? Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, what are the kind of in implications, serious implications you see in your industry? So like in Hollywood, what do you think is like, other than... I'm not saying because it's not important, like, but beyond your life of casting and like representing roles, like what's the larger problem you see if this industry continues to be colorist? Mm, Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, yeah. So outside of me and my world, I mean, the thing is that we just, these, all of it stems from representation in the media. I mean, this thing that we were talking about earlier of subliminally being more uh, partial to the mixed race person or the light skinned person with Anglo-Saxon features. Um, mm-hmm. That is all stem from what we see in the media and what we're inundated with. So if we can have more representation in the media of darker South Asian women of, you know, black of like every race, really just that's, I mean, that's the whole point of, I mean, a lot of this push for diversity and POCs is like, is, is all of it, it, it all stems from representation in the media. I mean, we, if we can see that more, then we're not going to be like, oh yeah, the white is right on that, like, right. Right. You know, it's absolutely, just, it all, it's all working towards the same goal of what hopefully is eliminating racism and colorism in general. Yes. And I think to your point, that representation piece is connected to racism. And it, mm-hmm. you know, some there's someone out there who's going to think I'm being dramatic about this. But like, for example, we did talk about this when the incident happened in Georgia with the gold spa shooting. And you, you think about like the way that Asian American women or Asian women are portrayed in movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. When you keep sending that message, then someone out there, that's how they interpreted Asian women and targeted them. Right. Right. By sexualizing them. Exactly. So by normalizing, you know, these literally are all you're asking is like, please represent me in a way that my story is one that is equitable to yours. And so that people know that I'm just as important is like such a simple ask seemingly, but it seems to be such a struggle. Yep. I mean... Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. No, no, no. I'm just going to say, yeah, it really is. <laughs> that's, that's all. Okay. Sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. <laughs> no, no. But no. Um, I, I think like the other piece that people miss is like, you know, it's again to the person who's like, is this just about beauty and sense of self is like, to your point earlier is like in our culture, even South Asian culture, like we associate darkness with like dirty or like caste and income and like desirability and like obviously all those fair and lovely commercials like tell that story of like oh your life got better and I remember like when even um the word dark triggers me so like my fiance now when we were first dating so he's still well he was first Russian and now he's still Russian but like (laughs) he's a fair skin he looks like a white guy um and he had never dated someone who was not white. And so he didn't know some of the terminology, right? So he was learning and he used the word like, oh, like you're, since you're darker or something like, and I remember being like, yo, I I know you mean like literally I am, but when you use the word dark, I just like don't like it because that's how it was used in such a negative way growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just has such a like inferior meaning to me. And like, I struggled with that because I was like, I should reclaim mm. darkness. Like, why is it a right negative connotation? 
Right. Yeah. Why is it negative to you? Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, that makes total sense that it would seem that way, but yeah, I think it's right now is like reclaiming it and making it not have that negative connotation because I mean, I like being darker skinned. Exactly. Now, yeah. <laughs> but I know, I know I didn't before. Absolutely. Have you traveled in India or South Asia with someone who is not Indian? Uh, no. I think every time I've gone, it's been with my family. Yeah. Because I bring that up because I've also seen the difference with, I haven't traveled with anyone who is not white, but I did travel with like a girlfriend who's white and my fiance when he met my parents. And I remember seeing like the difference of reactions, like from people, um, especially towards him. Like with her, there was a lot of staring, um, my friend. So one year I went with her, I like my one good friend and there was a lot of staring like, oh, she's so pretty. She looks like a, you know, porcelain doll or like a rose. And like, they tell me that, right? Like, and so I'd like translate it to her and she's like, oh, that's interesting. And I remember feeling very clearly like, okay, they're probably not going to say the same thing about me. (laughs) So move on. And then fast forward, then my fiance comes and people treated him like he was a Hollywood celebrity. And I was his like begrudging agent. Like they'd ask me if they could take pictures with him. Um, They constantly photographed him. Like he was like worshipped there like they would give the check to him even though he didn't speak the language like Mm. they would always like talk to him and address him and like I remember being like damn like this is such a weird like I'm in my own country and I'm being treated so differently because I'm traveling with someone who's so much of like the quote aspirational aesthetic Mm -hmm. yeah wow that's really interesting but it makes sense to me that that would happen (laughs) yeah that's crazy that's wild One thing I wanted to make sure that we gave special attention to is you have an incredible movie that you self-produced and wrote. Um, It was very, (laughs) very poignant. Like I felt like it was just so it captured the experience so well. And for context uh, for people, um, I'll let you explain the summary. But Anita made a really great movie that you can find on YouTube that I'll link um, about colorism. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that story and like why you felt that that was such an important story to tell? Um, Yeah. So it was called Unfair and Lovely. Uh, I I actually think I initially wrote that to submit for a contest um, about women. It was like a women driven story and a female driven story. And I it, it was like I had to produce something within three days. And like the only thing that I felt at that time really passionate about was colorism. So I thought, well, let me try to tell a story that can kind of bring it to light, bring this topic to light. And it was actually like a little before this kind of big colorism push that we are having right now. Um, So at the time, it really wasn't as well received (laughs) Mm -hmm. right away. But then kind of in the last year, or two, it started, I don't know how, but out of nowhere started getting a bunch of views and going viral. And like when I first put it up, I didn't really hear much response, but I mean, it was positive, but uh, I didn't really get much. And then in the last year or two, it's just kind of blown up a little, which is really cool. But um, yeah, so the the story is really about this young woman who's getting ready for uh, her wedding day. And it's just the pressure of being fairer that she's um, 
struggling with. Like her mother is giving her pressure to make sure she stays out of the sun and she's looking at bridal magazines and all the brides in the magazines are fairer. And so she just, it's just going through like the different methods of skin lightening and it kind of just takes a second for her to like look at herself and where she is and it's kind of a way to bring up this topic, I guess. I don't know if yeah. I did a great description of what my own story is about, but just watch it and you'll figure it out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. And I think the thing that really stood out to me is that um, the way you captured it was really beautiful in particular because it was, I, I appreciated how much it was like just the character's experience by herself and how subtle it is. It wasn't like someone was telling her, you didn't make it so like obvious in the sense, like someone's like, you're dark, right? Like it was mm-hmm. how these messages stay with you. So even, especially in moments where you're alone and looking at the mirror, if you're, you know, looking at a magazine to your point, you look at your own skin and you, and, and that's when you like kind of zone out, like sadly and emo mm-hmm. and like think about your own. And I, I really related to that. Like mm-hmm. it's something that privately you torment yourself so much. Right. Um, yeah. And I've been there, like what you showed with the lemon, like scrubbing lemon in the tub. Mm-hmm. Like there was a summer I went to India and I was like, I'm going to look like Priyanka Chopra. Yep. And every day I like rubbed <laughs> lemon juice on my face. It burned the shit out. Like my face felt yep. so hot and stingy and I'd sit in front of a fan and let it cool down. And I actually did look fairer by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was sort of like at what cost? You know, like I, yeah. I remember being like, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, why are we doing this stuff to ourselves? Because we were always told that these are the right things to do or we should do these things. It was, it was just so normalized. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I I think that's what, you know, the point of all of this stuff is, is like, we, we want to grow out of this kind of feeling that these behaviors are so that should happen. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess unfair and lovely got a lot of, or fair and lovely, sorry. Now the company fair and lovely got a lot of flack for, um, for their name. And I think they recently changed it. Yes, they did. Yeah. I forget what, glowy glow and lovely I don't know something like that I heard but I mean it's still you're still selling the same product so it doesn't really change but no and it's not good for you (laughs) that product really isn't please don't use this anyone who's listening like don't (laughs) use this product but yeah how did you come up with that storyline um that's a great question um I I think I really just like sat or, or sat around and kind of just thought like with short films, it's actually really hard to tell a story in so so little time. Mm-hmm. And and they're meant to be like you typically on the shorter end, like five minutes or less. So I was kind of like, what can I, you know, how can I tell this story in the fewest words possible, but tell a full story? And in and, and I really kind of just thought about my experiences and like what I have. I, I have remember having a conversation with someone asking about lightning methods before and trying them and so I think I just kind of went well I want her to have a revolution realizing this isn't this isn't the best route for her so just like you know kind of work backwards and like I want her to get to this end point of her realizing this may not be the path she should choose and kind of work my way backwards yeah so 
I love that. No, because I thought the story was fantastic too. Like, and especially like how much harder it must be to, I really admire that you were able to do that in such a short period of time, tell that full story arc. And yeah, because we shot that and I wrote it, shot it and it was finished in like three days. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was a really fast turnaround. But I will say it's funny. I I actually, we, I edited it myself, didn't like it. Um, Just, I don't think it like, it just wasn't cutting together the way I wanted it. And so like a year later, I had a friend relook at it because I basically hadn't done anything with it. And uh, other than submit it to that contest. And uh, then a friend relooked at it and helped me go back and edit it. And with that edit, I felt like, okay, I want to put this out. I really love it now. Oh, so it's so kind great. of funny. I actually wasn't even going to release it or put it out because I just wasn't happy with it. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad you did. And I like that you picked the wedding, like the day before the wedding, because it's so associated with like at your wedding day, you want to feel, look your best, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that this is what's going on instead of celebrating the day or like, because like by the day, like before I imagine, I even think about myself and like, you know, right now I'm like trying to get my wedding bod together and I'm like, Post pandemic, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm know, literally like- <laughs> here helping my cousin with hers. Like, she's getting married on Sunday, so oh yeah, there you go, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> by the da- the day before, you're done, right? Like, there's nothing else you can really do to like lose weight mm-hmm. suddenly, or like, but the fact that you're still stressing about fairness, I thought was an interesting point to make, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I loved that piece, how you captured it. Like, I just highly recommend anyone who's listening watch it if you need any kind of quick shortcut to like what does the experience of colorism look like this is a really great mm-hmm. educational video and I'm so glad yeah. you put it out yeah and I feel like a lot of my you know friends and family who are close to me they didn't even realize I felt so passionately about this I guess because yeah. in the beginning I really just didn't vocalize it I didn't know I felt this way but I never spoke out about it and then since the short film and various other things I've been doing to talk about it it's interesting how a bunch of people came to me and were like, wow, I had no idea you felt so passionately about this. And I was like, yeah, maybe I was a little too scared before to talk about it. And it didn't feel like a safe space too. But now I, I definitely, I'm really happy that there's just so much more of a movement to talk about this stuff. Absolutely. And we ourselves were processing, so it makes sense. Yeah. What was like the craziest thing you've ever done in the effort for fairness? In the effort for fairness? Oh, um, craziest thing I don't know um let me reframe it like what are things that people don't realize like we do in order with this internalization of like I need to look fairer oh so what is something that you've done like kind of like the lemon juice thing like have you ever done anything like that oh absolutely but I I think a lot of people probably have done this but I mean I I, I'm not really a beach person like crazy anyway just because like sitting in a hot sun for so long just makes me like frustrated but (laughs) in general I I know that it started from not wanting to get darker that Mm -hmm. I did would avoid sitting in the sun but I would be in like a hundred degree like Mexico with a bunch of friends and everyone would be tanning and I'd be like covered every inch of my body with blankets like their towels their shirts like we would try to get every accessory possible from them to like cover my full body from head to toe so that I would not be getting any tan. And yeah. I remember like, I have like, I have pictures of it, like tons of pictures of me, like 
just covered on a beach, like looking buried in the sand while all my friends are out there tanning. And it's, it's funny now looking back at it, like, wow, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, they just knew they were like, oh, and he's going to hide now. So just give her everything you need. Oh like, gosh, <laughs> just yeah. give her everything to cover her. Yeah. I mean, my friends are definitely used to that. I would always do that. But that's know, crazy. Back, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, why did I do that? It, it it strikes me as so sad, actually, right? But, like, we yeah. were just so used to it. Yeah. For me, like, I feel like uh, in addition to the lemon thing, which is psycho, but, like, um, I have a really hard relation, like, a difficult relationship with the uh, filters. And especially, like, yeah. you know, like, a few years ago up until, like, you know, before I was, like, yeah, goddamn, like, I should be proud of my skin tone. Um. It was always like, you know, you take a photo and you put a lighter filter so you look better, quote, quote, right? And even to this day, like, you know, struggling with like, even for our photographer with like the wedding, I like specifically looked up someone who could capture like brown and black skin well, just as much as white skin, Um, because we have this issue with my fiance where it's like, well, I want to look beautiful, but most photography is not really favoring the lighting right you have to have someone who really understands it right well the lighting is everything like lighting changes the way your skin looks entirely and so that's why in certain photos i'll look really light and certain photos i'll look really dark and it's really hard to cater to both i mean even on sets like i remember that a lot where you know one person will look really great but then the other person will look like trash exactly and usually it's the whiter person who looks better because like lighting has typically typically been catered towards that right totally i mean i i i literally have had that so often and even recently on a a thing and yeah it's really common (laughs) unfortunately it's just the way it is i mean hopefully that changes too but (laughs) totally yeah there's the the other day even i was looking at filters for like a story on instagram and i like found one and i looked so white in it Mm -hmm. i remember being like is this how i would look and like would i like myself better because of this like Mm, it was like an interesting like 30 seconds with myself and finally you know i was like i just don't look like myself obviously i'm not used to this i like quit it but i was for a second i just like entertained it like what would life look like if I did look like this, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was unconscious, unconscious. Oh, wow. I can't speak. (laughs) I think I was unconsciously doing that a lot before with filters and like lightning without realizing that I was doing it for that reason, just because a lot of the filters that were available to at that time were lighter for Mm -hmm. some reason. I do think it's different. It's like funny. Now I'm like, my brain has just changed entirely to that, to the point where I like, you know, now when I go outside, I'm like, I want a tan. Like today I went running and I was like, oh, I got a little tan today from yeah. running outside. Yay. Cause I feel so pasty right now. Cause I've just been inside for a whole year. Yes. So, um, so yeah, no, it's just interesting how it changes so drastically once you finally can accept like definitely your own self uh, worth. But yeah, it's, it is the filter thing is really messing with a lot of people, I think. Absolutely. And in my case, like my sister is really fair. Right. So like when I look at her and mm-hmm. like, wait, like there was a time in my life where I was like, why did she get to be fair? And I didn't. Um, my dad is like darker mm-hmm. and my mom is fair. So it, it almost seemed like they produce like one of my dad and like one of my mom. And like that could <laughs> yeah. really mess with me. I don't know if you have like siblings or cousins where you would compare yourself, but that also can really fuck with you. Yeah. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did it with friends and family. Uh, I have a sibling, but 
he he would he would get dark pretty dark because he lived in Miami for like seven years and so it was like he would get like comments here and there maybe but he really didn't get in much uh, like trouble like I don't know how to word this um basically wouldn't get as much flack from my parents (laughs) as I was for getting dark which is also a bad message to send right so yeah but it's that same thing that we were talking about of the guys being able to or guys getting away with it in Bollywood too and women not I mean there's definitely like this favoritism towards men maybe because it doesn't hurt them as much right like the implications we talked about earlier right yeah like they can have they can have whoever they want because they're men or they're successful or whatever but women you might not get the right match or right husband if you're you know this way so yeah yeah it's it's honestly like devastating to think about that but where did you see like messages about skin color affect you the most? Like what parts of your life, like when you think about dating or like a career or, you know, where do you feel like you really went through that journey? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like all of the above. <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. definitely, uh, it definitely affected me. My, I struggled a lot with it in my career initially. I mean, I really felt I felt like I was being disregarded by the industry in the beginning because of colorism. Um, but I also felt that way just in like, I see, I don't know if it was really that strong with dating, but I do think I put that on myself to think that. Mm-hmm. And I like, so it, that was more personal, but I don't actually know if it really did. I just know that it affected my social, my feelings socially because I was always concerned that that was like part of it. Yeah. Since we've covered career a bit, I'm curious, you mentioned with dating, a lot of it was Mm self-imposed. Did you ever feel like there was something out there though, that you felt like, gosh, this could be about my skin color? I mean, yeah, kind of what we were talking about earlier about the going out when I was talking to my roommate the other day and we were like discussing, um, you know, how we didn't get hit on in those friend circles or when we went out. I mean, I think there was like a point in which I was like not dating anyone for a while. And I think I did blame myself for it because of those. I mean, it was a combination, but I think I did start to blame myself because I didn't feel super secure in my looks and my skin color. And I mean, it caused a lot of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 I think a lot of like a big part of me growing is learning how to, you know, be more secure with myself. And I think I still absolutely learning that, but I, a lot of that has come from skin color. Absolutely. And my, my self bashing of my own skin color. And again, it's not about just like looks, right? Like, and uh, being like, oh, because for shallow reasons, I just want to look okay or anything. Like, I, I hope people understand this is also something that gets into your sense of self and worth like when you start to feel like Mm -hmm. do I deserve right like that love or do I deserve that type of a person who looks like that you know and right it can confuse the journey a bit like of finding a partner or if that's your aim or just even just enjoying yourself like so it's kind of a it it has more effects than just looks and I want to make that clear for people who might think it's just about like just this shallow thing I mean it's your self-worth I mean that's like that's the thing is like yeah it's this insecurity but this insecurity leads to me feeling like I'm worth less and that's not 
okay. Yeah. I thought it was really sweet when my dad was telling me like, so my dad is darker mm-hmm. and he was saying like, um, we're more similar in skin tone. And he was talking about how like when my mom and him were like arranged marriage meeting mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I never really thought people would like me um, because I was like very dark and mm-hmm. big nose and <laughs> I don't know. And I like was just like, daddy, like, you know, because I was like, that's so sad. But um, and my mom is like, he's so handsome. And so like, it's just crazy, like to think like, I was like, man, like, I wonder how much he was like down on himself, right? Like for that reason. And Mm -hmm. um, it's just, yeah, it's just very different. I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of why I don't blame my parents either, because they probably got that from their parents. And that's probably why they had insecurities about skin color and this and that. And that's why they always kind of warned me to like, do all these things in prevention of, you know, getting darker and that kind of stuff. Definitely. Because I'm sure that that all stems from their own feelings of not having great self-worth. Right. I think that's where you're, you're totally right. I think they're maybe used to it because I feel like my parents never, I will give them that. My parents never made me feel like I was dark. They were actually like, why that? Like my dad would be like, why are you putting lemon juice? Like, I think he was sort of like, well, this is just what it is. Right. Like, yeah. So I think like, yeah, but I think they didn't also, Yeah, my parents don't do it anymore. But when I was a kid and teenager, yeah, they definitely did. Yeah. But like also to your point, like with relatives, if someone says something, it wasn't like they would also be quick to defend or anything because I think for them, they're Mm. like, oh, isn't that just part of our culture? So it can, to your, right. like, I completely agree with, like, once it's in the culture, like, it's hard to also, like, step away from that thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I've had to have conversations with them about it yeah. to kind of rectify. And, it, yeah, and it's, and it's not like my parents were ever, like, you're ugly. They never said right. that. <laughs> they, they were always, they always think I'm beautiful because they're like, oh, especially my dad because he's super cocky. He's like, you look just like me. I'm handsome. So that's how my dad is. So. <laughs> It's not about that. It's right. like, you know, they, my parents would never do anything like that, but it is, but the skin color thing. And that's why like that was so important to them because they obviously were pushed for that Definitely, for when they were kids to stay light skinned and yeah. they're both like on the lighter side. So as we wrap this up, like, you know, I'd love to ask you the final question of, you know, down to Brown is all about, you know, I mentioned to you it's it aims to create conversations and spaces that allow us to dissect what would happen if we free ourselves from like American assimilation and the stigmas of South Asian, the South Asian experience. So when you think about how colorism, like understanding this, teasing this out, and maybe perhaps even moving on and healing from it, how do you think colorism, figuring that out, it can help us free ourselves from some of this pressure and stigmas how would the world be better Um, by understanding colorism um well that one's almost self-explanatory because like if everybody if colorism wasn't a thing that would be also a part of the root of racism Mm -hmm. like there would be obviously just more peace in the world because there wouldn't be people constantly criticizing each other and there would be more people would be secure with themselves and that would be so great to have everyone have more self-worth and love for themselves. So, I mean, I think, yeah, I think colorism, if it was eliminated, would be magical. Absolutely. (laughs) 
And you're right. Like, I think the the one thing I want to call out and echo you, your connection about, you know, colorism and racism is that it's, again, not just a kind of visual, like aesthetic thing, although that is also very important. We don't need to dismiss that piece. Mm. But um, there's a really great article for people listening um, on Juggernaut, um, which describes the history of anti-Blackness and that it's not just something that was a root of colonialism. A lot of people think that it's just because it started with like the British rule Mm -hmm. in India, but it dates back to a lot of our literature in both a Muslim and Hindu um, texts. Mm -hmm. And it had origins that basically the colonizers leveraged in order to instill power and they, they used it as a way, a tool, and they just kept amplifying it to like create divisions and um, inferior, superior groups. So it's really not something that just like magically appeared. There are roots to it that date back farther. So it's helpful to educate ourselves. Like obviously you and I are not academia yeah. scholars like who can speak to that. But I will say like I'll link this article. It's so fabulous and kind of understanding like what it dates back to because to your point, it has more implications around classism and division and racism that are so serious. Yeah. Especially in, in India for years, the classism is like absurd with skin color Yeah, and these like misinformation too, of, you know, people assuming where people are in the caste system based off of skin color. Exactly. Things like that. And, so I will not let you go until we do the trip trip around Anita. Um, and okay. this I have told before, you know, I will try to make it rapid fire. But if your answer is that juicy, I might dive deeper. So are you ready? Okay. I guess <laughs> I'm ready as I as I can be. When you set it up that way. Um, so first question, <laughs> you have five minutes to get ready for a hot date. And we're like talking like Penelope Cruz or Idris Elba hot. Oh, what would you wear? Uh, great question. I'm not good at ra- rapid fire answering. Um, uh, I don't know, because I'd probably take all of the time to just figure out an outfit because I take forever. But um, probably a skirt and a crop top, because that usually is my go to. For like a date night situation. Ooh, it's fun, flirty. (laughs) Fun, flirty, easy. Don't have to think too much about it. And it's probably the outfit I wear all the time anyway. Well, great. There you go. (laughs) Feel like yourself. Yeah. Biden approaches you to become the secretary of blank. What would you choose? Uh... What if I get to choose secretary of what? Like, yeah, anything. Like, would you choose like secretary education? Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, good. Good question. Uh, yeah, probably education. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for giving me the answer to that one. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> what is your favorite item from Costco? Oh, Costco is just the best. Um. Uh. Okay, Costco. You know what? Like they have really good stuff, but they have like really good deals on egg whites. <laughs> Damn, I was I not get... expecting you to say egg whites. <laughs> it's so random. But like, have you ever tried to get egg whites at a Ralph? It's like, it's or well, I don't know if you guys have Ralph. Oh, well, uh, yeah, you're in the same place as me, I think. But um, but anyway, the grocery stores sell egg whites for like I don't know, so expensive. It's like six bucks, but there you can get a pack of like eight egg whites. For like eight dollars, crazy! Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I might actually yeah. try that now. 
It is. Yeah. I, I will say yeah. that was the randomest unexpected answer I got to that question. <laughs> <laughs> so Anita, you win that prize. <laughs> In an industry where it's so easy to compare yourself to other people, what is something you tell yourself when you need to pump yourself up and remind yourself of your own magic? Oh, yeah, I have a whole routine for like pumping myself up. It's usually like putting on some good music, dancing around a little and then looking in the mirror and being like, you got this. (laughs) I I love uh, that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then last but not least, complete this sentence. All I need in this life of sin is me and my blank. Well, are we quoting Beyonce and Jay-Z? Then it's like me and my girlfriend. (laughs) Oh. Oh no, but what would yours be? Oh, okay. Oh, me and my oh egg white. Um, <laughs> I I would have said pig, but I gave my pig away, so like not her anymore. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> different story for a different day. But um, but uh, me and my my plants. I like that, and they yeah. give you oxygen. So what better yeah. choice could you get? Exactly. I've learned so much about you, Anita, today, in addition to (laughs) a fantastic in-depth conversation about colorism and racism, also egg whites and plants. So thank you so much for spending this time with me and being open to this conversation. I'm so lucky to have been able to spend time with you. Thank you. This was really fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course.